Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. I thank God that we're able to start this day together in prayer. This is Saturday, and we're in the third week of the Easter season. Easter is not just one day, but a season made up of a week of weeks. This week, we continue our reading of the Acts of the Apostles, and we witness what the Apostles did, filled with and led by the Holy Spirit, in the amazing first decades of the Church. Please feel free to send me an email with any stories or insights or any questions that you might have uh, as we move uh, through this uh, Easter season. You can send them to me at pastorjim2006 at icloud.com. And now we begin our time of prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, O God, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Praise to the blessed and holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God who gives life, salvation, and resurrection. Alleluia. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hands are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. You have been born anew through the abiding word of God. A reading from Acts chapter 12. Around that time, King Herod began to use violence toward some people in the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. When he saw that it pleased the Judeans, he proceeded to arrest Peter too. This was around the time of the festival of unleavened bread. So when he had seized him, he put him in prison and gave four squads of soldiers the job of guarding him with the intention of bringing him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church prayed earnestly to God on his behalf. On the night when Herod was intending to bring Peter out, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. There were guards on the doors, watching the prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord stood there, and the light shone in the cell. The angel hit Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up quickly, he said. The chains fell off his hands. The angel spoke again. Get dressed and put on your sandals, he said. So Peter did. Put on your cloak and follow me, said the angel. So he went out following the angel. He didn't think all this business with the angel was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They went through the first set of guards, then the second, and then they came to the iron gate that led into the city. It opened all by itself. They went out and walked along the street. Suddenly, the angel left him. Then Peter came to his senses. 
Now I know it's true, he said, the Lord sent his angel and snatched me out of Herod's hands. He rescued me from all the things the Judeans were intending to do. Once he had realized this, he was he went to the house of Mary, John Mark's mother. Lots of people were gathered there praying. Peter knocked at the door in the outer gate, and a maid called Rhoda came to answer it. When she heard Peter's voice, she was so excited she didn't open the gate. Instead, she ran back in and she told them that Peter was standing outside at the gate. You're crazy, they said to her. But she insisted that it was really true. It must be his angel, they said. Meanwhile, Peter carried on knocking. They opened the door and saw him and were astonished. He made a sign with his hand for them to be quiet. Then he told them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. Tell this to James and to the other brothers and sisters, he said. Then he left and went somewhere else. When morning came, there was quite a commotion among the guards as to what had become of Peter. Herod looked for him but couldn't find him. He interrogated the guards and ordered them to be put to death. Then he left Judea and went down to Caesarea and stayed there. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They all came together to meet him, and they persuaded Blastus, who was in charge of the king's bedchamber, to seek a reconciliation. They were, you see, dependent on the king's country for their food. So a day was set, and Herod dressed himself in his royal robes, and he took his seat on the official platform to make a public address to them. And the people began to shout, The voice of a god, not of a mortal. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, because he didn't give glory to God. He was eaten by worms and expired. But God's word grew and multiplied. Barnabas and Saul had by now accomplished their ministry in Jerusalem, and they came back to Antioch bringing John Mark with them. The word of the Lord. This chapter opens with Herod ordering James's death and then ends with Herod's own death, his own gruesome death. In between, an angel of the Lord frees Peter from prison and Peter flees Jerusalem. All the while, the word of the Lord continues to grow. The Holy Spirit will not be stopped by the high priests or by the zealous Pharisee like Saul or by kings like Herod. We are reminded that kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. What's more, the greatest power the kings of the earth can exert is the power to destroy, the power to kill. But God exercises God's own power in giving life. So James, even though Herod kills him by the sword, lives. He too will be raised as Jesus has been raised. He too now lives in Christ. And Herod, who imagines himself to have the power of a god, who decks himself out in royal robes and takes a seat on his throne and imagines that he is something because he can wield the power to take away life, has his own life taken away. And we witness the corruption and decay of his body. The true King of Israel, the Son of God, with the voice of a God, Jesus, is raised from the dead. His body does not decay, but is filled with life. And those who believe and trust in him, they too will not die, but will be raised to eternal life. In many ways, this chapter is a transition. We are moving away from Jerusalem now. It's important to remember as we move out from the center that Jesus sits enthroned at God's right hand, and his word and rule is eternal. And his kingdom is not just in Jerusalem, but it is over the whole earth. That his people are not just the people in Jerusalem, but people from all over the earth. It's also important to know that 
at certain times in certain places, the Holy Spirit is active. And then, at other times, those windows seem to close as things move on. As we wrap up this week, the Holy Spirit has gathered Saul, Barnabas, and John Mark together. Soon they will head out on a missionary journey, carrying the good news of Jesus and making disciples in more towns and villages throughout the the region, throughout the world. But when they head out, they will no longer leave from Jerusalem. It will be the church in Antioch that will send them on their way. For now, though, the Spirit is preparing the church because of the mission to the Gentiles is about to begin. These types of transitions may not be the most exciting, and they may fill us with all kinds of anxiety, but it's in these transitions that God prepares us for the big changes that are coming next. It is in these moments when it seems that God is silent and hidden from us, that God is actually the most active in our hearts, churning it up, preparing us, moving us forward, preparing us for what God has in store for us next. Amen. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, The dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation. We thank you for the new creation in Christ and for all of your gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the gift of eternal life, for the gifts of relationships with others, for the communion of faith we share in your church. For what else are we thankful Merciful God of might, renew this weary world, heal the hurts of all your children, and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for those who govern the nation of the world, for the people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, for all who work for peace and international harmony, for all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction for those who are mourning, for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land. For who else and for what else do we pray? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. 
Preserve us with your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.